0: Okay, I'm muted. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm unmuted now. Oh, yeah. The,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long intro.
2: My screen
3: glows blue, I don't know what to do. All alone here in the gloom.
2: I'm working in isolation in my parents' basement room.
1: We really should just recut that so we just get the hook. Because that's all that really matters, right? That song? Just get Maybe the... we'll
0: get some new, uh, new music out of Asia after this week.
1: That would be outstanding. Hey, welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 170. This is Mike Anello, joined by the voice you just heard of Mr. Ted Bowman. Hey, Ted. Hey. Um, also joining us is Anna Colada. Hey, Anna. Hello, hello. Are you in the Arctic blast?
2: Um, actually, it's about you know 55 degrees out, but extremely windy. So, um, it my skylight might rip out of the out of the roof. That that'll be interesting to have on the podcast.
1: Wasn't there an Arctic blast, or did it go away?
2: I think it went away. It was pretty ah. cold a couple days ago, but yeah, this morning, and like my rabbits are all freaking out this morning, and making a mess and trying to dig holes to get away from the wind so
1: are they outdoor rabbits or indoor rabbits
2: they're indoor rabbits but they definitely uh, react to the weather
1: all right i feel like we could have a long conversation about this we really could i have a lot lot of questions but we're gonna we're gonna table that for now um and introduce our guest uh so mr david snowpack hi david how are you i'm doing all right thanks so much for having me oh no problem at all um Let's talk about you just for a few minutes. You are a member of the Drupal security team. You are, is it correct to say you're a founder or a principal at MyDropWizard? Yeah, that's correct. All right. and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, You're also one of the um, co-maintainers of Panoply. I know I've used Panoply extensively, and I'm I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. And you're pretty active in the uh, Drupal community up there in Milwaukee. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. And he comes down to Chicago on occasion.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you you must run into Anna a lot at some of the uh, the Midwest events, huh? I,
3: I run into Anna everywhere because Anna is at all of the events, not just the Midwest ones. But yeah, definitely <laughs> at the Midwest.
1: Yes, Anna's sphere of influence is, uh, is very large when it comes to like, Drupal events, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Um, before we hop into the interview, I want to mention we have a, a brand new sponsor here on the Drupal Easy Podcast, so I'd like to welcome uh, Linovate on board to the podcast. So many of us listening are Drupal developers, we build sites for our clients, and then often we hand them off and move on to, ne- to the next project. But what happens when there's an issue with the site? Who does the client call? You know, A lot of times they'll call us, and maybe it's not the most opportune moment. Maybe it's on a weekend, or in the middle of the night, or while we're in the middle of another project. Um, you know, maybe they call their web host and the web host can help them or sometimes their web host can't because it's a Drupal issue. Um, or what happens when there's a new security exploit um, that, that is published and there's a new patch that's available? Uh, who should they call? Um, who's making sure that their servers are always up to date and everything is secure? Um, generally, as a Drupal developer, that may or may not be the business that, that you're in. And this is exactly where Linovate comes in. Linovate offers 24-7 around-the-clock monitoring and support for open source technologies, especially Drupal and Node.js. They've been a Drupal community member for about 10 years. Uh, I guess that's since the days of Drupal 4.5. So they they know what they're doing. They've been around for a long time. And, um, you know, they're, they're someone that you can trust they're the people who can offer that 24 seven monitoring and 24 seven support for you or your client sites. Um, The really cool thing about Linovate, which I think is going to be really attractive for a lot of clients is all of their plans offer live telephone support. So if there's an issue, you can pick up the phone and call someone at Linovate, and depending on your support plan, they guarantee response times in a, a certain period of time. So it doesn't matter where you host, it doesn't matter if you host your own servers, or if you outsource your hosting, or if you host with Linavate. Um They will provide you with professional on-call and um, and hands-on care, which will make sure your site is up, running, and secure at all times. If you're a developer, which I know many of our listeners are, they offer, offer referral fees. And if you're an agency, they will actually white-label their services for larger shops. Um, and they're plans start at just $590 per month. So you can definitely check them out at linovate.net slash S-L-A, linovate.net slash S-L-A. And thank you very much to linovate for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, on with the show. So David, we have you here today because you are one of the, the experts in this whole Drupal 6 end of life situation. So For people who aren't aware of what all of this is, can you kind of give us the quick synopsis? Sure.
3: So uh, Drupal 6's end of life is on February 24th, which is the upcoming Wednesday. Um, So super soon now. And uh, end of life means a couple of things. Uh, Drupal 6 will no longer be supported by the community at large. Um, So if you open a bug in an issue queue for a Drupal 6 project, it might just get closed. as won't fix. Although that could be true today, uh, since a lot of projects have just independently moved on from Drupal 6. Um, there'll be no more, uh, core commits or releases for Drupal 6 on Drupal.org. Um, and one of the most important things, uh, the Drupal security team will no longer be providing, uh, supports or security advisories for Drupal 6. Uh, but that will be taken over by the the Drupal 6 long-term support vendors, which I assume we'll, we'll get into shortly. Um, one of the, the main things that people will notice on, uh, we'll, we'll see maybe, maybe right away on February 25th. Um, I guess it depends on how busy the infrastructure team is, but the plan is to mark all Drupal six, uh, releases on project pages as unsupported. Uh, so that means they'll get the red background. And, um, if you run the update module on a Drupal six site somewhere, it'll suddenly start telling you that all of your modules need to be updated. Um, and at some point in the future, uh, the update status information will be turned off
2: entirely for Drupal six.
1: So this is nothing new in the Drupal community. This is this is kind of what we do. We we only support the current version of Drupal core as well as the previous version. Um, this is kind of a rare window that we're currently in. And actually, to be honest, by the time the podcast comes out, we'll probably be past the the end of life. But right now in this weird place where the community is kind of supporting three major versions of Drupal. Um, what was the thinking? Why why didn't this end of life happen the day that Drupal 8 came out?
3: So a lot of people uh, were upset about the end of life. I think this end of life has been a little bit unique because um, it's the first one that people really care about. Um, you know, when Drupal 5 was end of life, no one said anything. Um, but, you know, Drupal 6 kind of was at the, the start of... Um, Drupal's kind of up into the right hockey stick curve. Uh, so there's, there's quite a few people who still run some rather large and important sites on Drupal 6. Um, and so there was, there was kind of this outcry from the community to keep supporting Drupal 6 for some period of time. And, um, you know, I can't remember, you know, what the issue was, but there were a whole bunch of proposals like, should we extend it for a whole year or whatever? And this sort of negotiation process began between, you know, what do people want and what would the security working group be willing to do? Um, and you know they sort of settled on on this extra three months
1: and it's been I mean it's it's been almost exactly eight years since Drupal 6 was released so I think it's kind of asking a lot for a volunteer community to continue to support a, not only a product that's eight years old but a product that has been I guess maybe replaced is not the right word but has been effectively you know upgraded twice mm-hmm. um and it's it seemed- yeah you know, I- Go ahead.
3: I, I think a lot of people don't really understand to like what the security team is and that it's all volunteer and that it's quite a small team. Um, I think like officially we have 30 some uh, members, but not all of those people are active at once. Um, you know, it's open source, it's volunteers, so like people kind of contribute as they can. So there's really a lot of work for this very small group to take care of. And, um, you know, Drupal 6 uh, shares a bunch of code with Drupal 7. So like anytime there's a Drupal 7 um, security issue, there's a chance that it also affects Drupal 6. And so we can't make the Drupal 7 release until the Drupal 6 release is taken care of. Drupal 6 has no tests. Uh, so actually like making those fixes and being sure that they actually won't break a whole bunch of stuff is really difficult. Um, so yeah, the, the Drupal 6 support definitely adds a lot of extra work to the already very overworked Drupal security team.
1: So real quick, let me just mention, we are actually going to have um, Kathy Thays back on as well as Peter um, Willanen. Did I say? Awesome. I always feel like I I never say his last name correctly. Um, Maybe a month or two to talk about Drupal Security Team. So I wanted to mention that. But what you just said a second ago was really fascinating. I hadn't thought about that, is the fact that Drupal 6 doesn't have any tests. So it would Mm -hmm. make it a lot more difficult to make sure that any fixes... Uh, or all fixes that go into it you know be well well tested manually, and that seems like that's that's quite a bit of overhead,
3: yeah, and particularly since a lot of people um in the Drupal community have just kind of moved on from Drupal Six, right yeah. like the number of people who are still kind of willing to do that work or um were around in Drupal six since you know it's an open source community, people come, people go mm-hmm. um you know the people who are active today doing a lot of the work might have not been around in Drupal six. So it's a it's
1: an interesting problem. The security team and you're a member of the security team. You guys must be like mm-hmm. doing a little happy dance. Is there not going to be a big party next Wednesday <laughs> night?
3: Well, so I won't be able to participate in in that happy dance since uh, I will yeah. be continuing to do the Drupal six long term <laughs> support. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think uh, a lot of people will be kind of relieved. Um, you know, it uh, may help push uh, some Drupal six and seven releases to get out that um, have been having trouble getting out.
1: All right, so let's talk about, um, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, Drupal 6 end of life is coming, but there is something that's going to fill that vacuum, which are this idea of these official, and this is, I think, a first in our community, um, at least them being, you know, quote unquote, official, um, official long term support vendors, of which your company is one of them. So why don't you kind of give us the lowdown on what that means and what that looks like?
3: Sure. So, um, I forget when exactly, maybe six months ago, um, the Drupal security team put out a call for, uh, vendors willing to take on long-term support for Drupal 6 after the, you know, all volunteer Drupal security team is no longer going to be doing that work. Um, and so there was kind of an application process. Uh, the vendors were vetted by the, the Drupal security team for security expertise and also, you know, that someone in the community could, could vouch for them. Um, since there's, there's sort of a trade-off here. Um, in order to be one of these vendors, uh, well, okay. To, by being one of these vendors, we get access to some confidential information. So, uh, if a security issue is reported, um, you know, in the same way that they always are, if you go to like a project page, there's the reported security issue link and they go into, uh, security.drupal.org. Uh, the official vendors will be given access to that information as it, as it relates to Drupal 6. And also, if there's like a Drupal 7 issue, um, the Drupal security team could kick it to the vendors and say like, hey, do you think this also affects Drupal 6? Um, so we'll get access to some of this confidential information that, uh, you know, we, like all security issues, can't disclose until the uh, patch is ready. Um, so in exchange for getting that security, uh, that confidential information, uh, we must post all of the patches that we create publicly. So anyway, there's, there's this element of trust, um, as well as security expertise. And so that's basically what the security team was looking for when choosing these vendors.
1: So does, uh, an official vendor have to already have somebody on, on the security team? Cause it seems like that's the case for the current vendors. But is, is there the possibility of a new vendor applying who doesn't actually have somebody on, on the security team yet?
3: Uh, yes. Um, there, it's definitely possible. Um, I think. You know, having someone on the security team who can vouch for that company or right. some of the employees at that company, uh, would be huge. Um, but yeah, that is just sort of kind of how it shook out that, um, the, the three vendors who were selected had, uh, employees who were on the security team. So there was, um, already, you know, a history of keeping this information confidential. So there wasn't a, a worry with that.
1: And then I don't, I'm not sure if you mentioned it. I don't think you did, but is it a, is it a guarantee that, if there is a security update for Drupal eight and Drupal seven, that the vendors will release a patch um, for Drupal six at the same time, or could it be later?
3: Um, it definitely will not be earlier. Right. Um, you know, depending on how uh, the you know how we end up coordinating among the vendors, I suppose it could get delayed for some sort of
1: okay. But it's not it's not like a guarantee that it's going to be at the same time.
3: I know that we will be trying to. I mean, it's hard to say because, you know, we've had a couple of meetings, but we've never actually done this yet, right? right? right. Uh, We haven't had to coordinate one of these releases, but that would be the goal, right? When the uh, Drupal 7 and 8 fix comes out, if there's an associated Drupal 6 fix, that we would get it up at the same time.
1: So you mentioned that the patches will be made available. And this is something which I think a lot of people have questions about, um, that the vendors are going to be releasing patches, but you won't be releasing a new, you won't be rolling a new version of Drupal 6 core. Um, So what's the thinking behind that?
3: Uh, So I'm not 100% sure. Uh, That wasn't something the vendors decided. That was something that came from the security working group. Um, And I think that uh, it's probably two, uh, you know, one of two things or maybe both of them, um, you know, to give, us the ability to commit things to Drupal 6, we'd get access to the same Git that also stores Drupal 7 and Drupal 8. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And since the vendors are in control of which of their employees are involved in this, um, you know, I, I don't know that uh, oh, right. they wanted that makes to open sense. that up. But also, um, I, I think the, you know, Drupal Association and the Drupal community just doesn't want to take responsibility for the work that the Drupal uh,
1: LTS vendors are doing. It kind of, I guess it would, if there are continued releases for Drupal 6, even though the vendors are providing the patches, it kind of, for someone who's not in the know or, you know, in tune with the rest of the community, it kind of seems like it might imply that Drupal 6 is still supported. Right, right. So it might, might be almost as much of a perception thing as well as a, a security thing, as we were mentioning about, you know, getting good get access to
0: the to Drupal core. So the patches will be released on on a page on Drupal.org, though?
3: Yeah, there's a project, uh, D6LTS. So if you go to Drupal.org slash project slash D6LTS, um, we will be putting the patches in the Git repo there and then announcing them in the issue queue, which is sort of awkward um, since those tools weren't really made for doing this. Uh, I imagine the vendors uh, will also be making their, their own announcements. Um, something that we've discussed doing um, is also making releases of PressFlow 6 that contain any of the Drupal core patches so that uh, people will be able to get full downloads from there. Contrib is a little up in the air. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. Um, you know, maybe the important modules could get resurrected on on GitHub or in a sandbox or something like that.
0: So since there won't be releases, well, I mean, and potentially there won't be any more new commits to the Drupal 6 branch, so it's basically every new, uh, patch that goes up, I guess assumes that you've had all the previous patches. I guess so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when, when we were discussing this, um, you know, I was arguing that these patches start becoming a lot like commits and why don't we just put them in Git and have a Git on, uh, Drupal.org? But I, I was kind of, uh, uh, voted out <laughs> on that idea. So I, I, I think. You know, we'll put the patches there. If we're committing them to PressFlow, I'd say for Drupal Core, just, just get PressFlow.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my next, you know, my follow-up to that is, you know, if you're going to keep a copy of, of PressFlow up to date, why you know, PressFlow? Why not just do it with Drupal 6 Core and not have it on Drupal.org, put it on GitHub or, or, or somewhere else? I, is it because PressFlow is used by a lot of the companies who might require long-term support or... Just to, to avoid confusion with, with Drupal core. What's, what's the thinking there?
3: So from our end, um, I don't really know necessarily what everyone else was thinking when we, we kind of came to this conclusion, but from our end, uh, we just recommend Pressflow at this point. If you're doing a Drupal 6 site still, uh, Pressflow is more compatible with, um, newer versions of PHP. Uh, it's faster. Um, so if you're, if you're going to keep a Drupal 6 site going, we recommend Pressflow just in general.
1: Okay.
0: So there'll be a Pressflow so I guess it's a press flow page out on drupal.org as a distribution right now. Uh, I don't know if it's on drupal.org. Um, so I what don't I think it is. From what flow, I, remember. I go to
3: GitHub. Um, okay. I think there's also a, like a Pressflow.org or something okay. website.
2: I was going to ask if someone who just has a vanilla drupal site on D6, is it easy to switch into Pressflow?
3: Usually, um, not if you run PHP 5.2, which you shouldn't do, uh, anyway, but, um, usually you just drop it in and, and it uh, works the same, except your site will be slightly faster. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that kind of leads me to a, another question uh, regarding this. If someone's still running a Drupal 6 site, which is now you know eight years old, Drupal 6 is eight years old, assuming that they've kept up to date with, with Drupal 6 um, uh, releases, isn't it fairly likely that by now, and I know this is, it's a, maybe not the best thing to say, Drupal 6 is pretty hardened at this point. It's been banged on for, for eight years. And there's, I don't know how many you know releases there have been, but I think it's at least in the 40s, right? Um, isn't it realistic that most of the people who are still running Drupal 6 sites, there's probably security issues on this. If there's a security issue, it's probably going to be on the server, you know, server software as opposed to the drupal side of things just like you you just mentioned david with you know php
3: 5.2 yeah i i think we sh- we shouldn't ignore the server side uh because you know if you aren't updating drupal you may also not be updating php and you might have php 5.2 which has been end of life since i think 2011 and has known unfixed security issues in it um but you know i i don't think it's safe to say that uh you know drupal 6 is at this point hardened i mean uh there have been uh c tools security releases for Drupal Six as recent as a couple of months ago um and everyone runs c tools right uh you know when Drupal Get-In happened, that was in a piece of code that had been uh audited by hundreds of different uh you know security auditing groups that different um users of Drupal have hired to look over Drupal's code for how many years and no one noticed that this uh yeah, Drupal in this amazing vulnerability was there. So I, I definitely think um, there's still a lot of potential for uh, vulnerabilities hiding in Drupal Core, in the common contrib modules like panels and views and c-tools. And, you know, as it comes to the, the fringe modules, I mean, those are less of a worry because they're not as tempting to hackers. Like, why even bother looking for a vulnerability in a module that's used by, I don't know, a thousand people? But I, I think there's still a, a strong potential of there being issues.
1: Yeah, I just think about, you know, there's there's probably a ton of Drupal 6 sites out there that haven't may or may not have been updated as far as the Drupal side of things that are sitting on, you know, virtual private servers somewhere that are just kind of humming along and, you know, the organizations are off doing other things and not paying attention to the fact that there's, you know, probably multiple security updates at the at the database and Apache and PHP level, not to mention maybe mm-hmm. even the operating system level. So I think it's important to know, you know, to note that, you know, keeping Drupal 6 update with patches is all well and good, but if it's sitting on a house of cards, you know, you're, you're going to probably get hacked one way or another. You kind of have to make sure the full stack is, is up to date. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if someone, you know, uh, who has a Drupal 6 site isn't interested in paying for long-term support because they've heard that, you know, I can get the patches off, Drupal.org, or off of PressFlow. Um, is that enough? Is that enough to keep someone safe? So personally,
3: um, I don't think so. Um, so first of all, uh, the patches that we will be posting definitely will be doing Drupal core, but each of the vendors only supports the modules that are used by their customers. So we're actually each going to be preparing a list and, and giving it to the security team so they know like which uh, issues to forward to us and and wish to just say, like, oh, that's not supported anymore. Um, but, you know, in order to have all of the things in your site covered, you need to have a long-term support plan from one of the vendors. But also, um, you know, with Drupal 6 being end-of-life, there's just going to be way fewer people looking at the Drupal 6 code and reporting uh, issues that they find that I really think that there's going to be one or two uh, vulnerabilities that hackers start, um, exploiting before anyone has had a chance to make a patch for them. And at least as part of our service, um, MyDropWizard, we don't just, uh, apply the patches that get created proactively, but we will also assist in remediation if you get hacked. So there's a, there's a reactive part of the offer too. So even if, you know, no one reported a vulnerability. We didn't create a patch for it, but your site gets hacked. Uh, if you're one of our customers, we will come in, we will um, help get your site uh, restored, but also figure out how the attackers got in and then make the patch at that point. So you're covered regardless of what happens.
1: So are you guys offering this for Drupal 7 and Drupal 8 as well?
3: Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: All right. Very good. Um, let me just look at the rundown. I think I've covered just about everything. Oh, other than, um, <laughs> <laughs> so between you, between the four of us, David, and no one, no one's listening to this podcast, but if someone's still, <laughs> and I can say this now that DrupalEasy.com is now not, no longer on Drupal 6, <laughs> but shouldn't people running D6, don't they kind of deserve to be hacked at this point? Hasn't it been long enough. We've given them enough warning. Isn't it time? So,
3: <laughs> no one deserves to be hacked, right? <laughs> okay.
1: All right. You warned me.
3: Back. I mean, and that's that's coming from, you know, uh, someone who uh, sits on sales calls with the occasional aggressive customer who's, you know, why do I even need this? Like, we're, we're trying to extort them or something. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I hope they get hacked. And then they'll think, shouldn't I have signed up with my drop wisdom? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, um, you know, we're totally embedded in Drupal. We do nothing but Drupal all day long, every day. Um, so this is on the top of our minds. Um, lots of people, even at big organizations with big budgets and resources that you would think would be on top of this, um, they just don't think about their website that often, or they think about it, but don't, you know, think about it at that sort of below the hood technology level. Um, you know, there's other things going on, other priorities.
1: Well, I I also think a lot of mm -hmm. companies, you know, where this isn't their first priority might be more reactive than proactive.
3: You mean like they they look for something after the problem happens?
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it'll
2: be interesting to see what happens after February 24th when everyone has the big messages that are, hey, this is no longer supported. And, oh, no, what do I do? The sky is falling. It's like, well, haven't you been paying attention? Don't you care about the ecosystem that your web software exists in? But I mean, organizations, too, larger ones or even smaller ones, they they move slowly. So everyone's, you know, we were telling customers, well, Drupal 6 is going to be end of life when Drupal 8 gets out. Well, when's Drupal 8 coming out? Well, we don't know that yet. And then, hey, there's an extra three month window. Three months is not long enough for any organization to completely, you know, jump in and build a new site. Um, I have two clients right now who are still going to be on Drupal 6 after the launch. Um, one is probably 80% done of building a Drupal 7 site. The other one, who knows how long they're going to be on Drupal 6 until they get their act together, get their budgets together, get all the stakeholders on board um, to to do what they need to do.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, I have two small clients um, who are on Drupal 6. And it's I mean that's not a a conversation that's not an easy conversation to have with someone who's got a website that's working fine. You know, for me to come to them and you know, who, you know who's not familiar with Drupal or open source and and how how things work in, in open source communities, you know, it sounds like I'm trying to extort money out of them. You know, where hey, you know, you need to update your website before February 24th or something bad might happen. Well, why might something bad happen? Well, because it's open source software and the community is no longer going to be supporting it and blah, blah, blah. But when they're sitting there looking at a site that's working perfectly fine and we're giving them maybes, that maybe something's going to happen, it, it, I don't think it's it's enough of an incentive for them to say, oh, oh, shoot, I better do something fast.
0: We'd hate to have something happen to your website. <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't tell you how many times, Ted, that, you know, that I've had to say that to clients. It's terrible. no no
3: no the the interesting thing though too is um, you know if someone's site gets hacked and then they say oh no what do i do um it's really hard to remediate when you don't have everything set up to to handle that um basically uh you know the remediation process is you you take a site offline you get a backup of the compromised site and then you start looking at the compromised site and see, you know, what was the damage that was done. But you also need to uh, look at the logs to try and see, like, what have people been doing to it. Um You might need to, like, look at diffs between database backups, like, back a couple of days. Um If you aren't regularly scanning for signs that a site has been hacked, you might totally miss it. And it might have been 30 days ago, and your backups are only 30 days long, and now you cannot restore and know for 100% certain that we've removed everything the attacker has done, right?
1: Yeah, that's scary.
0: So how many of these, I mean, I guess people who are getting support for the Drupal 6 site, they probably are updating their sites, but I mean, I wonder how many Drupal 6 sites are just basically static at this point. I mean, it seems like if you're not, you know, if you haven't, thought about updating in that long are you are you also still updating content on your site
1: uh, I, I can tell you both of the clients that i have that are on drupal 6 are definitely still adding content to their site
0: oh don't they just hate the experience
1: <laughs> <laughs> We
0: just don't know
2: one of better. mine is a is a major uh uber cart uh, site okay. yeah
0: yeah.
1: yeah sometimes they just don't know better they just don't you know they don't know that there's a better a better solution out there.
0: I remember, I, I think sometimes when Drupal seven was the latest version, I had to go back to a Drupal six site and do something in Views, and I was just like, "Oh my god, how did I survive this?" <laughs> it's a real
1: problem you got there, Ted. Real problem. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. I think uh, I think we've covered just about everything here. I mean, the the, the short version is Drupal six end of life is here. Um, and you have options, um, including, you know, David's company, My Drop Wizard, And who are the other uh, vendors, David? Uh, the
3: other ones are Acquia and Tag1.
1: Okay, so all, well, you know, all three of you are, are, are folks who have been in the community for a long time with, uh, you know, with some big brains. So I think if you, if you choose, you know, My Drop Wizard or, or either of the other two vendors, I, I don't think anyone's going to uh, – I think you'll be in good hands. I'll put it that way. Um, Otherwise, you just, you know, cross your fingers and keep a close eye on the (laughs) drupal.org slash project slash D6 LTS project where the patches will be posted. Okay, so let's move on to Drupal Easy News here for a couple minutes. Um, I just want to mention real quick that our 12-week Drupal Career Online course starts in just a little over a month. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, it'll be just a little bit under a month. Uh, it starts on Monday, March 21st. It's an evening session, so it goes 5.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern. I believe that will be daylight time by the time we uh, we get there. Uh, it's a 12-week, uh, as I call it, holistic Drupal learning uh, or Drupal training program. We don't teach you just what you see in Drupal's UI. We teach you everything from workflow, um, moving sites, uh, and moving code and configuration between different environments. Uh, including the use of Git and Drush and with Drupal 8, uh, Drupal Console. So it's very much a, a class designed for people who want to go pro. If you're new to Drupal and have a programming background, or if you're a hobbyist and want to learn the right way of doing things, or if you deal with Drupal every day from a content administrator standpoint, but just want to up your skills, um, the class is kind of geared toward, towards you, towards those three groups of people. Uh, so definitely check it out at drupaleasy.com/dco. And when you go there, you will notice that drupaleasy.com has finally relaunched on Drupal 8. Um, we were Drupal 6 up until a few days ago. Uh, really pleased that we were able to uh, finally get the launch out. We're now responsive, like you know, uh, uh, you know a, a reasonable website should be these days. Uh, refocused on. Um, showcasing uh, the Drupal career online and some of the great tutorials and quick tips and podcasts that we have. Um, so definitely check it out at dot So let's go to some stories and Ted, you want to start us off?
0: Yep. So the first story is a um, article on chapter three by Mark Faree I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, he's actually been doing a bunch of interesting articles lately Uh, But this one's Removing Arbitrary Barriers to Participation. And it's basically looking at our process on Drupal.org for getting a full um, project, uh, a full module or theme project out there, I guess, or distribution too. And, you know, I guess his take is it's sort of broken. Um, And if people aren't familiar with the process, if you haven't ever tried um, you basically can't just go out and upload a module to drupal.org and get a regular project page. Um, you have to go through a process, at least on your first um, project. I think it's only on your first where, uh, <clears throat> where you have to go through a code review and then you'll, I guess you're given a different role on drupal.org. Mm-hmm. And after that point is my understanding is you don't have to go through that again. And then, if you're, if you just been around a while, I never had to go through this because they didn't have the process when I put my first module out there. So I guess I got the role just grandfathered in. Um, so a lot of people, you know, for a long time, have I think thought the process has been broken. Um, I mean, one thing that I find, I was just sort of thinking about this today because a lot of people and Mark compares it to GitHub where you have this sort of just idea that, it, you will know, everybody just. Uh, post out there, and you know the good projects will bubble up. Um, one thing I think is a bit different uh, from from GitHub to Drupal.org is, f- from my perspective, GitHub seems like a place where coders go to get code, and Drupal.org is often a place where non-coders go to get code. And so I think that makes the comparison not a one-to-one comparison. Because we're sort of asking people who don't code to say, okay, go out and you can just install this on your Drupal site. And you potentially don't have to, you know, review the code yourself to look at it. So, um, but there's an issue out on drupal.org um, for changing the policy. Um, and I know David's on the security team. So this definitely, if this were to change, we'd either have to probably change the security policies. Or it would definitely have a. I would imagine have an impact on the security team, a pretty big one, one way or the other. So I don't. know. That's my take on it. I mean, it's a. It's an interesting article. I think something needs to change. Um, I, I'm not sure if just just having no process, uh, though. I guess the policy on um, there. The policy on Drupal.org, the Drupal Technical Working Group, that doesn't propose. To have no no um, process chain, no process for getting uh, ones out there, but I think Marcus just saying, you know, we're we should just sort of scrap the whole idea that we need this review. So it's interesting.
1: So David, from a security uh, team perspective, what do you what do you, you have thoughts on this, one way or, or another?
3: Um. So I. I- well, okay, so speaking for myself uh, and not for the security team, personally, I, I think uh, the bigger problem is the uh, blocking of participation. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- one of the reasons that we say we do this process is that um, it provides this point to sort of stop and get a little bit of security review and introduce people to um, Drupal security practices. Also, if more people are making... Uh, full releases of modules on Drupal.org that increases the number of things that the Drupal security team is responsible for. Um, but yeah, I mean, this process has to change. Um, I don't even know that people right now are getting really great security reviews or, or learning, uh, you know, security best practices. I mean, I, I hope they are. Um, but there's got to be a, a more efficient way to do that.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, the issue right now is the process is broken. I mean, it's it just broken to the point where, some people, you know, put an application, and and it it can be a year, it could be months or a year over year before that application is reviewed and code is reviewed and the module gets you know, upgraded from a sandbox to a full pro- to a full project. So it's not that it's just slow or inconvenient right now. I, I think it's fair to say it's just it's just plain broken.
0: So why do why do you think like if it is so broken, why have people not abandoned Drupal.org and just gone to GitHub? I mean nothing's stopping people from going to GitHub, right?
2: I think Drupal.org has the credibility. Like you know if it's if it's codes posted on Drupal.org that their the security team has at least implicitly signed off on the people who are involved or the people who are involved have signed off on other people who have joined them as uh co contributors um, uh, and David you and I went back and forth on Twitter about this a little bit uh, when I was kind of looking at the the review process of hey I have this this custom module that's in a sandbox but I really want to put it up and I can't put it up and this is frustrating so I have to go through all these hoops for, for something brand new but I'm also now the d8 maintainer for the sitemap module because I started putting some work into that and one of the committers was like hey, do you want to come be the Drupal 8 person? Okay, great. There you go. (laughs) And it's like, on one hand, it's like, okay, that was easy. But on the other hand, it's like, mm, that's not exactly what the intention of the project review process was. And I still don't have that. That didn't leapfrog me into now being able to create my own projects, but it is much easier to work on existing projects.
3: Yeah. And of course, since you got added, there wasn't this, um, uh, claimed stopgap to teach you Drupal security best practices or any of that. So yeah, I I think that the process needs to change. And I don't know exactly how, how it should change. You know, that's the, is that the community working group or the technical working group? I know that they have a a proposal. It's just a a matter of getting it implemented. It's a technical working group.
1: Yeah. I think, Anna, you brought up uh, an interesting point there, which I didn't really think about. And the fact that there is this, this barrier, um, this broken you know process, it does give you know modules that are on Drupal.org um, a, a little you know a bit of an advantage because people who are coming to Drupal.org you know whether or not they know it they if they see it on Drupal.org they assume it's you know quote unquote okay because it's there as opposed to just going on GitHub and 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 downloading something that maybe hasn't been vetted. So there's definitely. A good side to this, but I guess what, um, what Mark's question is, is it, is it doing us more harm than good? Is it keeping out contributors who would otherwise be working on Drupal.org or contributing um, new projects to Drupal.org, but just who you know, can't get through this, this arcane and, and very frustrating process?
2: Well, but like you said, they can just put up their project on GitHub. And then that comes down to the Drupal.org versus GitHub sort of argument that's you know go- going around yeah, in, but I in think many circles. I think
1: it's fair to say if a project's on GitHub, it's not going to get nearly as much exposure as if it's on Drupal.org, maybe. I don't know if that's a fair statement.
0: Oh, I would say that's fair, yeah. definitely, to, to people yeah. who are um, in the Drupal world. I think a lot of people start with Drupal. I I start with drupal.org as far as looking at modules, and I would say I I don't think
1: I've ever looked for. Yeah, and I I think the issue really boils down to just it's it's volunteer time. The fact that you know these um, the applications that come in that takes someone you know volunteering their time to do a code review, and that's that's not like a five minute thing normally. Um, especially if the code isn't in that good of shape then you have to then there starts becoming this back and forth and depending on the skill of the coder um you know that could it, it could end up taking you know a good a good deal of time uh, for a, a volunteer who's actually doing that code review
0: i mean does anybody know of other open source software systems that do this sort of review to get on you know to get on a main site are we like the only one who does this i I don't know yeah, I don't know any either, but I live a pretty
3: isolated Drupal life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Like, I would hope so. Like, I hope things that are up on WordPress.org, like, I hope those have been vetted or have there's some sort of rating system or at least something so people know if I should use X over Y over Z. Yeah,
0: I think on WordPress, at least the last time I looked, there was a rating system, which which we don't have. You know, we don't have a way to rate.
2: I mean, we, we th- there are kind of those uh, usage numbers, you know, number of downloads, a yeah. number of installs. And that, that can serve as a good metric, but then it's hard to say like between module A or B, which one should I use? It doesn't come down right down to numbers.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, one option would be to to put a rating system on, on Drupal.org. I was actually just went over to WordPress.org, I guess. And, you know, they, all their modules have a sort of, uh, you know, a five-star rating system. I think people are so used to that and other things on the web.
1: Yeah, I think putting a rating system on Drupal.org would be a a, a, a bigger, you know, controversy than, yeah. than yeah. you know, some of the other things we've we've dealt with over the, the past few years. I mean, that's a non-starter.
0: Things to talk about in the podcast, though.
1: That's true. That would be good for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever used... Um
3: drupalmodules.com i i haven't used it in years but i remember like back in the drupal 5 days it mm-hmm. was like uh it was basically just like a list of all of the drupal modules from drupal.org but like with a rating thing yeah
1: yeah i think it's I, I it seems like pretty dormant these days i used to look at it um quite often you know years ago but i haven't really i've seen it but i haven't like used it, its information for to make decisions in, in a long time
0: well, I use that Chrome plugin, um, that when you go to a project page, it like shows you like the tweets where people are cursing the module on Twitter.
1: Really? Hmm. That, that sounds yeah. like a picture made. The... Oh, I just really?
3: Made that up. <laughs> now you have to make it. That, that sounds, sounds like awesome. A, I
1: know. It sounds like a great <laughs> idea.
3: <laughs> Could it search, uh,
0: IRC too? I think that might get more results. Yeah. <laughs> But I think people in IRC, there's like not—it's not that it's private, but Twitter is so public that I think you couldn't complain if your tweets show up somewhere.
1: Yeah, there's another controversy that's that that we you know that the community's dealt with and discussed in the past is keeping a log of IRC messages just for the reason that you're talking about, so that someone can go back and search them. And there's a lot of people who don't want that to happen. So, anyway, shall we move
0: on? Let's move on.
1: All right, Anna, I think you're up.
2: Yep, so our second story of the week. Well, how long did we spend talking about that first one? Anyway, (laughs) uh, second story of the week, uh, Liz Trudeau, a.k.a. Liz Joy uh, from the Drupal Association, posted a recap of last year's membership drive. I believe that ran from October... Um,
1: yep, I think that's right. I'm
2: I'm, sh- I'm sure the article has has the uh, has the details. Um, but there's there's a great write up and also a uh, a, a linked uh, full report on you know, what the goals of the campaign, what the the actual results of the campaign, how many new members and how many dollars. And um, if if you have no idea what I'm talking about uh, as far as this drive, if you remember back last fall when people were complaining about the giant banners on Drupal.org that you couldn't get rid of and that they were annoying. Yeah, this is the campaign they're talking about. Um, and, oh, look, I see a very familiar uh, picture, <laughs> Mike. Um,
0: yeah, you're in as, that article, as, Mike. As, yeah, I know. That's kind Mike's of in the article.
2: <laughs> um, so if you're interested in hearing about how uh, that campaign went, how the Drupal Association is doing, um, you can go there and check it out.
1: Yeah, it, and, they they didn't actually meet their goal, which was kind of a bummer. Um, they they fell they fell fairly short of the goal of I forget how many they wanted like I think maybe a thousand new members by the end of the year, something like that.
2: Yeah, they they got close to fifty yeah. percent of their goal between dollars and new members, and I, I think like from from. Participating in Europe a bit more in the past year, like, it, it kind of makes sense that the Drupal Association is still very U.S. focused, still very North American focused, and a lot of the rest of the people in the world on community don't know or don't care or don't feel both that they need to contribute or that the DA cares about what they're doing necessarily. So it, it'll be interesting to see how, um, how worldwide uh, influence of the Drupal association kind of goes now that we're having a regular third con in February um, as opposed to just the North American and the European conferences.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I'd, I'd love to see a statistic on a Drupal association membership per country relative to maybe number of installs or number of active Drupal participants or something like that to see, you know, if the us you know and, and other I, I assume western europe it, it would be very similar if the ratio of association members to active drupal developers is is about the same all right next story
2: and wrapping it up on uh, the top 3 stories this week is commerce guys splitting off from uh, platform.sh so now they are separate companies uh ryan sarzma wrote up a uh blog post on, Hey, this is what we're doing. And um, so if you're interested in agency news, um, definitely go and check
1: that out. Yeah. So it's, that kind of was surprising um, when I read it, but then after I I read it, I realized, well, that kind of makes sense because they're sort of, they're sort of doing two different things. Um, the you know the Venn diagram definitely intersects uh, on those two things, but to have commerce guys just focus solely on Drupal Commerce, um, uh, building Drupal Commerce site and servicing Drupal Commerce site and supporting Drupal Commerce sites, platform.sh feels a lot more like you know you know a competitor with Pantheon or a competitor with Acquia Cloud. Um, so it seems I it it seems like it. it It makes sense. Um, You know, Ryan is, he's been on the podcast multiple times, just a, you know, a guy who I don't understand why he's, uh, he appears to never sleep and is always happy, which those two things with me are a Venn diagram that do not intersect (laughs) at all. All right. Well, great. Um, uh, Thank you, Anna, for those last two stories. Shall we move on to our picks of the week? Um, David, you're the guest. You want to go first?
3: Sure. Um, and I kind of picked, um, an unpick of a week since, uh, the pick of the week is usually something awesome. Uh, and this is something that, that isn't awesome. But since we were talking about security, I, I figured I'd do like a, like a PSA. Um, I don't know how many people heard about, um, I think on Wednesday it was published, um, a vulnerability in libc, in GNU libc, which is used on, uh, pretty much any Linux based device. Um, it's a very serious vulnerability that's been in uh, the code since 2008. It's in the method that looks up DNS addresses, like that turns domain names into IP addresses. Um, and there is a way to uh, set up a DNS server to respond such that it can execute remote code on your machine. Um, and this could potentially affect Drupal sites. Uh, like if you have some way on your site to allow users to uh, get the server to request a URL... Uh Like, for example, if you have the feeds module set up and uh, you have it set up where you can create like a special content type that sets up an RSS feed, uh someone could use that to put in their special domain name and then execute code remotely on your server. So uh if you are responsible for a Linux-based server, go update LibC now. Stop listening and update it.
1: No, hold on. Let's not get crazy. They can update it while <laughs> they listen.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> they can multitask.
1: No, 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 no. no. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, that's exactly one of those things that we were talking about earlier, where, you know, if you still have a Drupal 6 site, you know, make sure you focus on, on the whole system, not just, not just your, what Drupal core is, uh, is reporting. Uh, my pick of the week is a base theme for Drupal 8. And I think you'll see over the next few podcasts, the, the common thread here is all of the modules and, and other things that I used on the new DrupalEasy.com site. Um, I I ended up using a, a base theme I'd never used before, or to be honest, had never heard of, called Neato. Uh It's a base theme by Kevin Quillen, and I chose it because I didn't want to build off of stable or classy, the, the Drupal core um, Drupal eight core base themes. Um, I normally have been like a Zen person, where well, I've been a Zen person, but I've also been a Zen base theme <laughs> user as well. Um, and Zen is, is not available for Drupal 8 yet. Um, I think Bootstrap might be the only Drupal 8 base theme that's approaching uh, the point where it's, I don't want to say usable, but, you know, where a lot of people are starting to use it. Um, so I said, well, let me look around at what else is out there. And I found this Nito. One of the things that really attracted me to it was it suggested using um, Node.js for uh, all of the SAS preprocessors, so it uses Node and Bower and Gulp, um, and up to then I've usually stuck with uh, Ruby gems and, and RVM and stuff like that. So I, it gave me an opportunity to try out Node.js, and to be honest, I, I loved it. It it was everything went very smooth. Um, if I had a complaint about Nito, it's that fact that Nito is based on stable and not classy. So there were definitely times where I wasn't getting the class names that I wanted um in my markup and but that was easy enough fixed to just go grab a template file from classy and, and and bring it into uh into my base into my my sub theme I should say um so if you're looking if you're the type of you know developer who would like some type of base theme that provides a little bit more than what classy or stable provides um right now today I think Nito is is a pretty good choice
2: I'm I'm just going to jump in here for a minute um so a lot of work has been done making uh, some of the themes that Core ships with uh, easy enough to use. And so Classy and Stable are completely valid base themes. And so which this is the first time in Drupal's history that that's really been the case. You've always had to go to Contrib for base themes before. So I think now that we're in Drupal 8, if we can start, talk, start talking about specifically contrib-based themes and not base themes, because base themes exist. And they might not be what you want to base things on, and that's cool. But I, I think just prefacing, you know, if Nito is an awesome contrib-based theme, then it's an awesome contrib-based theme.
1: Okay, so you're, you're talking more of just like a vocabulary change, as opposed to yeah. right. Yeah, I feel the exact same way about view modes. (laughs) And we can go, yeah, we can go on. Well, I'll mention this real quick. It's a little bit of a rabbit hole, but (laughs) this has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. That in my world, and I don't know if this has been a thing before Drupal eight, the the phrase view mode and display mode. And I'll ask you guys: were those before Drupal eight? Were those the same thing, or were those different things? They're the
2: same.
0: Right. Yeah, in, I thought I meant the same. In Drupal 8, they're specifically
1: not the same thing. In Drupal 8, display mode, actually, now I have to look. I might get it confused. Um, I believe display mode is the generic term. If you think of it as a hierarchy, display mode is a, is a top-level term. Then underneath that, there's view mode and form display mode.
3: So display mode's like the
0: generic term to mean either view mode or form
3: display mode? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think there's a class. There's like a display mode class and then the form mode will extend that and and the view mode extends that. I'm not sure if it's called view mode in core in that code.
1: Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, display mode is the top level and then form mode and view mode are underneath that. Makes sense. Yeah, so that's like, it's similar just to kind of bring full circle I don't think anything's changed, but I think having a better definition for a view mode and display mode is helpful. Just like, you know, further defining base theme into core base theme and contrib base theme, as Anna just said, is is probably very helpful as well.
0: And this is why I renamed entity form for Drupal 8. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So Nito is, so is it based off stable? I didn't catch that. Yeah. it's, It's
1: actually, it is. Yeah. It's based off stable.
0: So is it that it doesn't list stable, so it automatically gets based off stable, or it actually like lists? it? I believe yeah, okay.
1: Anna can probably confirm that, right? If a base theme, if a, if a theme doesn't list a the base theme, it, it, it's based off stable.
2: That I'm not sure. There is a default set which can be overridden. Um, I don't know exactly. Okay. what
1: that For is. For some reason, I think I think that if it's not set, then it, it, it's based off stable.
0: You should, Mike, you should just update in production just that line of Neato to base <laughs> it off Classy and see what happens.
1: I will definitely. Don't, yeah.
2: don't do that. <laughs> that right away.
1: Sounds like a great <laughs> idea, yeah.
0: Ted.
2: Um, though, looking at the Neato project page, one thing you hadn't mentioned, Mike, was that this is based off of the bourbon and refills meat. Yes. Um, sort of like grid system conceptual framework sort of thing. So the way bootstrap is kind of one of those overarching, uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript frameworks, Neato is based off of another one of those.
1: Right. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. And I'm not up on all of the various CSS frameworks and, and, um, and mixin libraries, but apparently bourbon and neat are, are kind of a big deal. So. Yeah, they're up there with bootstrap. All right, cool. Um, Let me mention real quick, uh, uh, our co-host Ryan, who's not here today, uh, wanted me to to mention one thing, so I'm going to throw it in here as his pick of the week. He is uh, one of the co-chairs for the site building track at DrupalCon, and he asks if you are interested, then by all means, you should be submitting a session submission for the site building track, and we will have the links in the show notes. And apparently he said he can promise that he can get you in as long as you mention the podcast somewhere in your submission. For the low, low price of twenty nine ninety five. That's exactly what Ryan Price said. So I'm just, I'm just relaying the message. So. <laughs> Anna, you're up. Cool. So my pick of
2: the week, in, in addition to uh, correcting everyone's language, because I'm a developer and pedantic and uh, words need to be precise. Um, is a cool little blog post that, uh, I caught over Twitter earlier this week is called three things that you should hide in your Drupal site that you are probably not doing. This was posted by Bob Cruz on Drupalaid.com. And uh, really the number one thing that's on the list that is fun just to read about is, uh, sites that have not never disabled the default river of news page, aka slash node. Um, And so there's instructions in this article on how to do it. My favorite part of it is all the screenshots of all the sites that uh, just have their random node page active, um, which is very, very random stuff. So we've got Bravo TV, we've got Colleges, we've got Danaher Motion, Energy.gov, like all sorts of different sites that, you know, so I would say pick a, a site that you're proud of and you think it looks awesome. And go to your slash node
1: page. Wow, there's some big and ones on here. See what shows up. There are yeah. some big sites. <laughs> that's that's hysterical. Wow. Hide your node. Hide your node. That's, so I'm not even. I think I'm still in the hide. So what are? So that's the first one. What are the other two? I'm like. That's the first one. The other
2: two are are similar in the sense of hide content that people shouldn't be seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're using, uh, if you went and started using content types the way that in Drupal 8 it's really easy to use entity types where, hey, I have this entity and maybe it's supposed to be like a slideshow slide or an image in a gallery and you went ahead and made a node for it. But it was never intended that a, an end user, a site visitor would visit those pages. Um, there are a couple different ways to hide them. One of them is one of my favorites called the rabbit hole module. Mm-hmm. And so you can figure per content type, per taxonomy term, um, okay, if someone hits a node of this content type, they're not supposed to be seeing the node, what should happen instead?
1: Right, right, right.
2: right. And, then, and then, so that's basically two and three. So the, the, the biggest one, uh, the, the, it's, it says three, but it's really just one overarching thing you should not do, which is make sure that people aren't seeing content that they're not meant to be seeing.
0: Yeah,
1: that's a fun article.
0: Mike, are you working on anything related to this?
1: Um, I might be. <laughs> 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 I might be. I might be. But well, what I'm I'm working on the port for uh, the field redirection module for Drupal eight. But that's not so much like an overarching thing. That's more. That's more targeted. You know, purpose. Yeah, page. it could be
0: a p- specific piece of content you don't want people to see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. That's a fun pick. And Ted, you're up.
0: Yeah, so I just picked uh, a, a groups.drupal.org wiki page that's listing the possible or proposed Google Summer of Code um, project. I guess they're, I don't know if they're applications, or just ideas at this point. I guess they're just ideas. So it's just kind of interesting to look and see what people are proposing. I guess if you have a something you would like to mentor somebody on, you could post it out there. Um, but there were some interesting stuff in the past and looks like, I think there's six out there now. I'm not sure when the deadline, seven out there now.
1: Are you going to try and, and find someone to do your, um, module acceleration program stuff for you? Cause that would be genius. <laughs> you take the summer off.
0: <laughs> no, I won't, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh But yeah, there's, and you know, there's people out there that are offering to mentor like, uh, CHX and David, uh, Werner. And so, yeah, Yeah. I don't know if, uh, yeah. So it's just something interesting to read, I guess, or I don't have a project that I want to propose, but some people might. So take a look at the wiki, read through the instructions and yeah.
2: Are they doing like contributor
1: matching? Uh. I think right now they're just trying to get ideas for projects, right?
0: Yeah. But pro- they do have a project mentors section there. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that the project mentors are the people who actually proposed it. Um, so there's well, slash, that
2: makes sense. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So slash SRM is doing a Drupal 8 media solution module. Um, then. Exposed translation activity, Gabor is doing that and s-
1: anything with flag there. flag module in there? Flag, flag module. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh no, I don't see anything like that. Who do I have to yeah. pester to get that to happen? Just just well, it's is it's not released yet?
1: No. I think it's on un- I think it's underway. But
0: yeah. Oh well, anyway. Yeah. There's one for JSON, uh, a JSON database thing, I think. It sounded interesting. All right. A JSON storage engine, I guess, and CHX, David Warner, and slash SRM are all.
1: Is that to store stuff client side?
0: Uh, It's a project to make a Drupal 8 entity storage engine using these capabilities. No, I think it's on the server side.
1: Okay. All right. Very good. All right. I'm going to move on here. Cool? Do it. All right. Upcoming events. Drupal uh, Camp, uh, New York City, uh, which is more of the uncamp, uh, Correct, Ted?
0: Yeah. Let's come yes, up. It's, you, you'll,
1: you'll be there next week, right?
0: Yes. It's not nice camp, I guess. Well, I didn't say confused. nice camp. <laughs> but I, I
1: just that? thought
0: people might be confused that nice camp had been moved up. I'm assuming uh, nice camp is still happening in the summer. I don't know. Okay. I'm assuming that. Uh, yes. There's a one-day unconference uh, in Manhattan, I think, at a university there. Yeah, so I'm going there. Looking forward to it.
1: All right. After that, Florida Drupal Camp 2016 happens um, uh, March 5th and 6th, 2016. Very excited about that. We've got Morton and Karen Stevenson and Jesus Olivias. Uh, Olivias. Am I saying his? I always. I think I'm saying his name correct. The guy behind one of the guys behind uh, or one of the people behind Drupal Console. Um, all three will be featured speakers at Florida Drupal Camp, uh, giving double-length, hands-on sessions, which we're very excited about. Uh, mid-camp up near you, uh, both of you, Anna and David, correct? Yep,
2: yeah, that is coming up March 17th to 20th, and uh, we'll have a day of training, there's a day of sprinting, and we have Tess Flynn, a socket wench, is going to be our keynoter this year.
1: Yeah, she did that for us uh, two years ago, maybe, was it two, or last year, two years ago? Oh, very good.
2: Oh, fine. You got her first, but we got her We got her best. <laughs> there
1: you go. Yes, she's she's more mature and smarter than she was two years. Actually, hopefully all of us are, you know, to be honest. So. Um, Texas camp, I want to give a shout out because it's a new camp. It's meant to be a statewide camp. I believe it takes place outside of Dallas, um, April 1st and 2nd. So give a shout out to those guys. And then, Ted, you'll be at Drupal Delphia in, in mid-April, correct?
0: That's the plan. I don't, I don't know anything more about that.
1: All right, that's fine. David, other than mid-camp, anywhere that you're going to be uh, coming up?
3: Uh, not in this time range. I usually uh, end up hitting all of the, the summer ones. That's oh. sort of the Midwest uh, camp time.
1: Okay, very good. Um, David, where can people find you on Twitter and other places that you hang out online?
3: Uh, so on Twitter, I'm D dsnopeck, D-S-N-O-P-E-K. I have the same username on Drupal.org, so if you want to get in touch with me about Drupal community things, probably the best place is uh, to come check out my project page. And you'll see all the things I'm connected with, so it's easy to get to whatever you want. Uh, so that's drupalorg slash u slash Um And for stuff associated with uh, Drupal Seven, and 8 support maintenance, as well as Drupal Six long-term support, uh, come check out mydropwizard.com.
1: All right, and you're pretty you're pretty active on Twitter, so that's a good place to follow you.
3: Oh. I'm actually not active on Twitter at all. I kind of really? don't get Twitter. Yeah. Oh. so if you want, if you want to find me, where I will definitely be, I'm always on IRC, uh, also d-Snowpack, Uh or email. I, I'm I'm old school.
1: Oh, my mistake. I'm thinking of someone else. Hmm.
0: Maybe you're following somebody else that has a similar spelling. Yeah. The other dsnowpack. <laughs>
1: yes, and they keep on sending me patches to apply to my Drupal sites, <laughs> and I I feel like they're probably fine. So, hmm. I might have to look into that. Anna,
0: how about you?
2: I am a colada almost everywhere. Anna colada.com. And Ted?
0: Ted Bow on Twitter and Drupal.org and com.
1: Did you finish inline entity form yet, Ted?
0: <laughs> I'm only helping out with that. I feel like last the last podcast, I made it sound like I was doing it. I just wanted to clarify that.
2: <laughs> so I thought it was done. It's well, inline entity form is not it, done?
0: It's alpha, but there's still like issues with like nested forms and basically people use it in all kinds of crazy ways. So we're still working on very, you know, like nested forms. And I, so I'm using it in scheduled updates and it seems to be pretty rock solid for that, but I'm using it like one level deep, pretty standard, very, not, not much going on there. So.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So I would say that if you're using it uh, like in a site and you're planning to make nested uh, forms to be, careful and test it out really well at this point, since it's still alpha.
1: Yeah. That just sounds very difficult. We've talked about it offline a little bit and my head hurts whenever you just start explaining it to me. So um, I can be found at Ultimike pretty much everywhere. U L T I M I K E. And as always, you can follow Drupal easy at Drupal easy, but please go check out the new shiny new car smell. Drupal Easy.com. And our missing co-host today, Andrew M. Riley, uh, Ryan Price, who is Liberator minus the last vowel, and Kelly, who is Bright Bold, who our recording time of Friday afternoons is not very friendly to her. So we're going to try and change that so we can get Kelly on a little bit more often. Five questions, David. Are you ready? I am. Name something interesting that you do outside of Drupal. Uh, so I'm very
3: interested in languages and, and language learning. I'm kind of always perpetually learning uh, Russian and Polish.
1: So, what do you use? Are you using like Rosetta Stone or, or something else? What do you What do you learn? How do you learn?
3: So, mostly, uh, and especially in the case of Polish, mostly from reading books. Um, I read like all the Harry Potter books in Polish. I read. Um, oh boy. That's impressive. The, uh, uh, what is the Game of Thrones, the series called uh, Fire and Ice? Song of
2: Ice and Fire. Ice
3: yeah, and Fire, yeah. <laughs> I just call it Game of Thrones in my mind.
1: I read all that's those books.
2: What, that's what the TV shows call it, so yeah.
1: I think we have at least two people on this podcast who watch Game of Thrones, based on what just happened there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, so, no. See, I'm a Game of Thrones hipster. I read all the books. I watched the first season, and and I'm good.
0: All right. So, do you, I mean, are there other languages that you speak a little bit? Uh, a little bit, but like a very little bit.
3: Like the sort of like, I'm just going to go look up a bunch of blah and, and mess around with it. Those, those are really the two languages that I focused on mostly. And have you like, traveled to Russian or, or Poland? I have. Um, I have some friends who are from uh, Belarus and, and some of their family in Russia. And I went with them to uh, visit their family. That was super fun. Um, and my, I, I was able to convince my wife that it was a good idea to live in Poland for a little while. So hey, we lived there for about
0: a year and a half. And is there, is there a large Polish community in Milwaukee? Like, do you get to use it there? <laughs>
1: Stomach's gonna start um The last piece of software that you installed doesn't have to be on your laptop can be on, on any device you have.
3: Oh, I would have had more options if I thought of that. But uh, the last thing I installed was a game democracy three. <laughs> It's, you get to be like the president of the United States and and make decisions and see what happens.
1: That's probably maybe what some of our um, current candidates should do. You know, see how they do. <laughs> Instead of
3: actually becoming the yeah. president, they can just yeah, yes,
1: without getting political. We'll just we'll stop right there. Um, is that a PC game or or a, or, a, or a Android or iPhone? What kind of game is that?
3: Uh, it's a computer game. Um, runs on Windows, Linux, Mac.
1: Is it like Zork? Is it all text based? No,
3: uh I mean it's it's a <laughs> simulation game so like you're just clicking on boxes and making decisions. Yeah. But it it's kind of fun. Like you start out and of course there's like a huge deficit. So I'm like, I'll just reduce all the military spending to nothing and legalize marijuana and okay, great, we have all this money. I mean it's it's fun to just do yeah. silly things and Have you destroyed your, your country yet? Several times.
0: <laughs> What's the biggest mistake <laughs> you've made? <laughs>
3: I think they're all mistakes. <laughs> I kind of feel like they like, there isn't a right answer, uh, but it's fun to see what happens.
1: Yeah. Is it like that quote from war games? The only winning move is not to play <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> all right. I just, I just dated myself with that reference. So let's move on quick. Um, what is a goal that you have, but you haven't yet accomplished that scares you?
3: So I probably have a lot of these, but to like, not get too personal, um, I don't know, I, I've always wanted to give a keynote somewhere, but I worry that, um I don't know, my presenting style is too detail focused and doesn't have that sort of like broad, I you know, I'd, I'd worry that people would come out of it, not with the sort of warm, fuzzy feeling that you want to get from a keynote, right?
1: I mean, do you feel that you want to speak on like a, like a security topic or something more generic?
3: Keynotes are usually more generic. I don't know. Yeah. I would love to give a keynote somewhere. I think... Uh, yeah. I, Anna, haven't you given a keynote somewhere?
2: No, 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 no. no.
1: <laughs> Who, oh All right, right let's, let's uh, yeah. moving By on way. then. Um, what's the last exotic animal that you hand fed?
3: So can I answer this aspirationally? <laughs> I cannot
1: think of any
3: exotic animal that I've fed in my I, life. I, I like that answer. I, I, I'm I'm opposed <laughs> no. to this question. I don't think I, you have
2: sh- a baby, don't you, David? <laughs> <laughs>
3: She counts as an
1: exotic animal.
2: <laughs> They're kind of exotic to me.
1: Um. <laughs> when you are in She's Belarus, totally don't they have don't they have some sort of crazy like you know vampire bat thing in Belarus that you can feed?
0: Or maybe it fed off of you.
1: Perhaps I think you fed with yourself. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, so I, I have an aspirational answer. All right, fine. I, all right. I, I don't even know if points this is, off. let like, go
1: ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. I don't even know if this is possible, like, if I would just get myself killed, but, um, I would like to feed a European bison that lives in the Białowieża Puszcza, which is, uh, one of the remaining pieces of an ancient European forest that used to cover, like, all of Northwestern Europe, but now there's just, like, this little bit that's left. Um, and it's some of it's in Poland, some of it's in Belarus, but there's, like, a couple hundred European bison that live there.
1: I'm pretty sure like you
0: made up about one of three quarters of what. you No, that's crazy. Somebody else actually did that same answer. Like, I think it was like ten podcasts ago. Seriously? What? No. No,
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> so what? What would you feed them? I guess bison. What they eat? Like grass. They eat grass. And stuff. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Maybe there's some sort of treat, like you know how there's like bison
1: treats
0: normally eat something, but then there's like
1: a cat. yeah, I think I saw a bison treat at a. That pet smart the other day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is this like an end-of-life thing when you're really old and, you know, if it eats you, it'd be a good way to go out? I don't think. I mean, it wouldn't eat me, but it, they're, they're big animals,
3: right? It could, yeah. like, trample me or kick me or something. Yeah, it's,
0: it's probably, probably not weird.
3: advised to do that. I'm sure that if there's any sort of uh, rangers or something there, they would prevent you from doing that.
1: <laughs> I think, you know what? I think I'm going to change my mind and give you full credit for this answer. Even though you <laughs> haven't detailed. actually done it. It, it was it, creative enough. And uh, you sold it. You sold it well. So
0: I mean, right. we can just edit this after the fact and just, like, he actually has already done this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or you can do your David Snowpack impression and just say llama <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, all right, David, last one. What was your tipping point Drupal moment?
3: Uh, so I've had a lot of tipping points. Um, like, at this point, you know, I'm so entrenched in, in Drupal, it occupies my dreams. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of different things. We were at one level and something happens and you kind of go down to the, to the next level deeper. Um, the one that I, I guess, decided I was going to talk about, um, was becoming a co-maintainer of Panoply. Um, I think that was like 2013. I was doing a lot of, uh, Panoply development and contributing. And, uh, at some point, like Matt Cheney stopped committing my patches. Um, so I started kind of like internet stalking him and then eventually like, Real life stalking him. Like, I found out what he was going to be doing at bid camp, uh, Bad Camp and decided to like volunteer for the same thing. Um, and, and eventually got made co maintainer at Panoply. And it was this very big uh, turning point for me uh, because up until then, I had been doing uh, a lot of site building. And that was kind of the primary uh, way that I was making my money as a, as a Drupal consultant. And then after that point, uh, all of the work that I got uh, was stuff associated with Panoply. So I kind of ended up specializing in, uh, you know, building things on the open source project that I kind of loved anyway, and it was super cool to to have that transition.
1: So when that happened, were you already doing one hundred percent Drupal?
3: Yes, yes. So I picked a, a moment in the middle. I know this is usually about like the first yeah, thing that but, gets you in, but I I don't know. I wanted to go. I wanted to do something a little
1: different. All right. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, we'll take that. You've seemed to thrown out all the rules for the five questions already, so you know, <laughs> why not why stop you now? So I
2: think that just means we need to change the questions.
1: Well, I was thinking. I think the last time we changed them was at one hundred and fifty, right? Hundred podcast. I think we did it. We introduced this at podcast one hundred. We refreshed the questions at podcast one hundred and fifty. So I was,
2: yeah, I think I was one of the first guests with the new questions.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, maybe one seventy five. But at the rate we're going, we're going to be changing them every podcast. So. But we'll see, we can, yeah, that, that exotic animal one seems to be uh, problematic sometimes. But anyway, let's, um, let's wrap things up here. So uh, let me mention Webenable.com and devpanel.com. Build, manage, and deploy your Drupal and other open source sites on web-enabled infrastructure. Um, utilize their Git repository and their team-based workflows at Webenable.com. And as always, check out devpanel.com, which is like cPanel for developers. As always, you can check out the Drupal Easy podcast um, on uh, drupaleasycom slash podcast or on iTunes or any of your favorite pod catchers. If you'd like to leave us a, a voicemail, uh, you can do that at area code uh, plus one here in the US, 321-396-2340. And if you want to stay abreast of what we might be talking about in the next podcast, you can uh, follow us at delicious.com with using the tag Drupal easy podcast, um, upcoming podcasts, uh, in a couple weeks, Preston. So will be on to hopefully help us wrap our arms around the front end, uh, framework discussion that has been, uh, almost all consuming for the past few months here in our community. Um, uh, Following that, there's one guest who we're just trying to uh, confirm with now, and then the aforementioned uh, Drupal security team, Kathy Thays, who's been on our podcast probably you know more than, than, than Ted has at this point, um, and, and Peter Wolanin, uh, members of the Drupal security team. So, uh, David, thank you very much for your time and all the great information about Drupal 6 End of Life. Appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a huge fan
3: of the show, and I'm super glad that you guys finally invited me on.
1: All right. Well, don't be a stranger. And Anna and Ted, thanks for your time as well. Thanks. Ted, glad we got to chat. Yeah, and we'll see everybody on the next Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!